Welcome to the sermon podcast of Grace Presbyterian Church. For more information about our church, please visit our website, gracechurchlaunceston.com. Psalm 127. Uh, If you don't know, today is actually our birthday as a church. This is our birthday, our second birthday. Two years ago, um, on the last Sunday in January, our church started to meet. We're a group of, a small group of people who are looking, who look to start a church that serves this part of the world. Our goal was and still is to have a church, to be a church family that loves and serves the southwest part of Launceston, the wider Launceston area, um, but also into the nearby towns, uh, this part of the world, like you know Longford and Carrick, and Perth and Hadspen. Uh, we identified this area as being a place where there was a need and continues to be a need for a gospel witness, uh, a church which preaches Christ. And our group, we started out with the aim of being a gospel preaching church which invites and calls people to come to know the grace of God in the Lord Jesus Christ and find new life in Him. So we're two years into it now and I hope that what we're doing and I pray that what we're doing is uh, what we started out to do. And I pray that this continues to be the case over the next months and years to come. But the great temptation for us in all of this is in building a church, getting a church off the ground, and to do it in a way that's self-sufficient, self-dependent, self-reliant, and to trust in our own hard work to get it all done. You know, there are a lot of things that are necessary in a church, a lot of things that we've got to do, and a lot of things that need to be set up to establish a church, as we've found out over the last two years. But we can, the temptation is to do it in a way that is more about me and it's more about us than it is about Christ. And so in God's providence, I didn't plan this at all, we came to this psalm today, Psalm 127, And if you want to sum it up in four words, I've got a four-word summary of this psalm. We depend upon God. We depend upon God. Uh, We depend upon Him whether we realise it or not. Uh, Whether we realise it or not, or live like this is a reality or not. We depend upon God in all areas of life, not only for what we're doing together as a church, but in every area of life, as this psalm sort of lays out really clearly. Because unless the Lord does this work, what we do is labouring in vain. Unless the Lord builds, we labour in vain. And so we depend upon him and he must build it. So today we're looking at what it means to depend upon the Lord and namely his son, the Lord Jesus. And we need to know the good news that he is truly dependable. So let's go to the first part of this psalm, verses 1 to 3. And there's a few sub-points under there, verses 1 to 3. And you'll notice here in verses 1 to 3, several illustrations, 1 to 2, sorry, uh, several illustrations from everyday life. So verse in, in verse 1, uh, we have the metaphor of building, uh, the illustration of building, the thing that provides us stability, Stability in life. So verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labour in vain. What a profound verse this is. Builders of houses, 
you know, we have a builder here. Um, builders of houses, cities, systems, influences, businesses, families, churches, everything that we can build, all labor, we all labor in vain unless the Lord builds it. We depend upon God to build things. Uh, the author of this psalm is Solomon. Um, kids, can you, do you know who Solomon is? Who's Solomon? Anyone want to, yep? One of the kings, that's right, David's son. And Solomon, do you know what? He built a temple. But Solomon here takes this metaphor from everyday life, building, construction. He looks at the houses around him. Um, and indeed, he may have been looking at the house that he built, the house of the Lord, the temple, uh, when he wrote this psalm. And he says, unless the Lord builds the house, the la uh, builders labour in vain. Uh, the word vain there means, means pointless, futile, or it has no purpose. And he's saying, what's the point? What's the point of building unless God builds it? You know, we can do stuff. We can do stuff. We can build stuff, but unless God is in it, it has no purpose. The that we build anything, a household, a home, if we strive to set up something to provide for some form of stability in our lives. It's not our abilities, our workmanship that determines whether what is built will last. You see, even in, in literal house building, um, even that depends upon God, you know, whether it will stand up or fall down, doesn't it? Our family lived in Sydney and uh, I remember um, huge apartment blocks going up at Sydney Olympic Park, and, but they were soon abandoned. That's right, Sarah, the, the houses were abandoned, the apartments were abandoned because they weren't structurally sound. No one could live in them. And the same is true for what we build in our lives as well. God is the one who determines whether what we will build will survive or be lasting. Unless the Lord builds it, we labour in vain. You see, this is what Jesus also teaches us in uh, that reading we had from Luke's Gospel, the parable there. The wise man builds the house upon the rock, upon Christ and his word. You see, what is built, who builds it, how it's built makes all the difference. And that means we need to realise we need God's help we need God's help to build things in our lives. Our work will be in vain unless God builds it. And I think this challenges the mindset we can have sometimes. We are tempted, I think, to live as though we are ones in control, in charge of our destinies. You know, we can do stuff. We can do stuff in our lives without giving much thought to God at all. But I'd suggest that this verse challenges that perspective and that attitude to really know that we need to depend upon the Lord and we do depend upon the Lord for our lives. Because to build without God is vanity. It's vanity. To live your life and build it without Christ at the centre, if you're not trusting in Christ and going about your day-to-day -day lives, your work, your labours, and if you're not trusting in trusting them to the Lord, it is vanity. It's strong words, isn't it? We need to believe, friends, that Christ is the true and solid, the only solid foundation in this world. You know, this house language is probably referring to the temple here. And in the wider story of the Bible, uh, we find that the temple language really points towards Christ, towards Jesus and the church. 
Um, that he's the fulfilment of the temple. The church is the fulfilment of the temple. And so we can read this verse as saying, with New Testament goggles on, uh, that unless Christ builds the church, we labour in vain. We need to hear this as a, a fairly new church, don't we? Jesus is the one who says he'll build his church and we depend upon him. So whatever we have in project, we have in our lives, uh, whether our church here or our career or our household or anything, we need to know that Christ is the one who builds and he builds what lasts. And so this leads us to the second part of verse one. Uh, the second thing that, that Solomon wants us to know that we depend upon God for, we depend upon God for our protection. So have a look there. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Now perhaps Solomon here is, is walking around the, the streets of Jerusalem and looking up at the, the walls and maybe a guard, guard standing in the streets. Um, and those people there are there to protect the city, aren't they? They're soldiers, perhaps. Um, and the point is, not, no matter how attentive that guard is on that wall there, there is still bad stuff that can happen in the city, right? Now, kids, maybe today you can think of an equivalent. Who protects Launceston from bad stuff happening? Um, is there anyone employed in Launceston to, to fight crime, perhaps? Anyone? Yep. Police, yes. I think that's probably a good equivalent for today. But even though there are police officers in our city, and even in Hadspen, um, it goes without saying you'll still want to lock your car and lock your house. Why do we do this? Because even though there are police in our city, we still know that bad stuff can happen. No matter how careful and meticulous their watch is over the city, even then we're not protected from everything. That's reality, isn't it? And Solomon is saying here is, our, is that our security really can ultimately be found in one place, in the Lord. No matter how good your home security system might be, someone can still break in. No matter how much we've planned, no matter how much money we might have in the bank, or how well trained we are to do a particular task at work, these things even though they're good, they can never prevent disappointment, illness, uh, betrayal, or even just plain old accidents from happening. No earthly security is 100% reliable, as necessarily as they might be. Nothing that we might put our security in or have in our, for our protection can prevent brokenness, or the effects of sin having an influence over us. And so who do we depend upon for protection? Ultimately, unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Now, thirdly, the picture shifts again from looking at construction to the watchmen to inside the houses. So in verse 2, into the comings and goings of everyday life. It says, verse 2, in vain... You rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those who he loves. Now, it's not really talking about insomnia so much, but, or the baby keeping you up at night. Sleep is a gift from God, and we should thank God for sleep. 
But this verse really is more talking about how we provide for ourselves through our work and how we tend to worry about it. Uh, Solomon is saying that no no matter how many hours you might put in burning the candle at both ends of the day, no no matter how many sleepless nights that you might have worrying about your day-to-day affairs, unless the Lord builds it and it's all vanity. This is, a, this is a, a strong, I think, sinful pull for some of us, probably myself included here. Uh, it's so easy to act as though the world is dependent upon me and my efforts to get things done. Um, if I don't do the work, if I don't put in those extra hours, if I fall behind, I'll fail and I won't provide what is needed for those who depend upon me. And isn't this what Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 6, where he talks about birds who don't work and don't labour in the fields, and yet, what does God do? He feeds them anyway. Uh, The point Jesus makes is that we worry. We worry about these things. We worry about how to provide for our families. We worry about all sorts of things. But instead of worrying, Jesus says, we should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God is dependable for our day-to-day lives, our provision. He provides, he determines what we have and he's dependable. You know, we're meant to work hard, of course. This, is, this verse isn't a get-out-of-work card for you. We're meant to work hard, provide for ourselves. But sometimes we go uh, beyond that, don't we? We can be workaholics or worriers. And often it's done in the name of caring and providing for other people, isn't it? You know, whether for yourself or those who depend upon you at work, maybe your patients at the hospital or your students in your care or your children or those who live in your house. And what, what the psalm is trying to teach us here, is teaching us here, is that we are not God. That a good day's work is a good day's work. You can stop. And it's a way of trusting God. It's to say, God, you're the one who provides and you're dependable. And the psalm writer says it's pointless to live as if the world depends upon us. Because to do so causes anxiety and worry and sleepless nights. But God gives sleep to those he loves, those who are in his care. We can rest in him and trust him and know that we depend upon him. You know, we can, we can say all the right things about Christ. As Christians, we can have the right head knowledge, we can recite the Apostles' Creed, we can have memory verses to learn. But the thing is, have, has this, this good knowledge about God, his dependability, that we can trust him, has it actually worked its way out into your Google calendar, into your schedules, into your work habits? Has this knowledge been worked out in your day-to-day life? You see, the gospel frees us from seeing that the world lays on my shoulders because it doesn't. We can stop, we can rest, and we know that we have a God who provides and he even gives sleep. How good is that? He is dependable. 
You see, the secret of this psalm is to knowing that God is trustworthy in every area of life. And we can recognise that we owe all these, these parts of life that we've seen in this psalm to the care of God. Our houses, the situations that we inhabit, our protection against danger. And, th- and this leads to the second part of the psalm, which is the blessing of raising children. The blessing of raising children. And you can see the progression here. It goes from... Um, God building the house to God watching over us as protecting us. Now it's the gift of God to provide a family to, you know, live in the houses and cities and things like that. So verse 3, children are a heritage from the Lord and are offspring a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They'll not, not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Who do our kids belong to? Who do our kids belong to? They belong to the Lord. Who gives children to parents? God does. You see? It means we depend upon God for for children, for having children, for family life. Our church depends upon God for children here in our church. And together we must entrust the children in our church to his care and protection. Now, any time that the Bible talks about family life, I know it's a bit of a hard topic uh, because of all the personal decisions and even difficulties that come with this topic. So, but even, the, even while navigating all those sorts of issues... It still needs to be said, the Bible is very much pro-children, very pro-children and pro-family life. These verses are about this important topic of raising children. You see, children in the Bible are always seen as a blessing. This is a very important thing to understand. Children are always seen as a blessing. Um, Just think of the longing of the person Hannah in 1 Samuel for a child. Uh, the tears that Hannah cried uh, and the rejoicing when God answered her prayer. Uh, You know, Colin Buchanan, by the way, has a fantastic song about Hannah, Hannah's uh, prayer. You can listen to that later. But think of Jesus as well. What did Jesus say about children? He said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. You know, kids are from God. Yes, raising children, they certainly age you quickly. Um, I think they suck the life force out of you. Or something like that. Um, And they don't always do what you want them to do or follow sound advice or wisdom. But children are a heritage from the Lord. They are a way, a heritage. They're a way of your family going beyond your own years, aren't they? They're a legacy. But we can also think about this from a church perspective as well. If we want to last beyond ourselves, we need to value children. Together, we are to raise the children who come along to church here, a part of this church here. We need to value them by including them and teaching them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and doing in everything, everything possible to to raise them knowing Jesus, discipling them in the faith. Children, what does it say there? They're also a reward from God. 
Not in a way that those who have kids are uh, rewarded because you kind of deserve it. No, not at all. It's a gift. It's a gift that you're given from the Lord. Verses 4 and 5 are really great. I love it. The language here, children are like arrows. Wow. You kids are like arrows. Amazing. Pretty cool. Bows and arrows. What are they? They're a defensive weapon. They defend uh, a castle or something like that. And that's why godly children, children uh, raised as, as Christians, are meant to be like for their parents. Uh, maybe in Solomon's day, the children were literally defending from enemy attack with bows and arrows. But it's really a metaphor, isn't it, um, of what godly sons and daughters are to do for their, their parents as they grow and mature. Now, kids, maybe you can think about this as you grow up. You guys are meant to be supporting mum and dad. You know, going into bat for the family. You're meant to be on your parents' team, rallying together to help mum and dad. And God says that, there is a, that this is a blessing from him. And it says in verse 5 there, that a picture is of sons defending the old man at the city gate. Uh, the city gate here, this gate here is like a... Um, it's like the courthouse today, if you like. And dad's there under the accusation of some opponents and the, and the, and the sons are coming into his defence. And notice the sons there are not put, to, they're not put to shame when they contend. You know, such is their godliness and their character in the way they defend the old man. Now, we know this picture of children and parents and family life doesn't often sometimes work out this way. Uh, we live in a broken and sinful world. Both parents and children sin and make foolish decisions and we need to recognise that this is a reality. And yet, nevertheless, if you want to know what a blessed family life looks like, well, this psalm will tell you. The Bible's teaching on family and children is very different from what our culture says about family and children. I remember this old comedy sketch, whether a comedy sketch, I can't remember who did it, but a father sits down a son on his 18th birthday and the son thinks his father is about to give him some sage advice, uh, something like that. But then the father pulls out a list of itemised bill bills and expenses and hands it to his son since birth to adulthood the father gives him a bill <laughs> but it works as a joke because we know it's not instinctively what fathers are meant to treat their sons like and yet this is kind of like how we think about children sometimes in our culture that they cost a lot that they're a burden Sometimes children are seen as something you have to put off until you get things sorted out. You know, you get your fur baby first and then a bit of money in the bank, cross off a few bucket list items and then uh, you start thinking about having kids in your mid-60s or something like that. But for many, the thought of having children is something that feels restrictive, doesn't it? Uh, and, you know, there is some truth to it. I mean... As I was talking with Sarah yesterday about um, 
maybe I shouldn't say this, but I will, I will anyway. We're talking about our lives. What if what it would be like if we didn't have children? Hmm. Scenario. Uh, we probably would have travelled. Uh, we would have seen the world, probably. We might have even gone overseas to teach or been able to support other um, Christian organisations or something like that. But I genuinely thank God for the situation that he's put me in. Yes, having kids changes stuff, doesn't it? You can't do everything. But that's not a problem, is it? As Bible people, we need to push back against the attitude that this is a problem. We need to fight it in ourselves, this thought. And we need to really trust God that when he says that children are a blessing and a gift, that they really are a blessing and a gift. Because it's not all one way, as the psalm points out. This verse, uh, these verses show us that children are a blessing to their parents. They're an asset to their mum and dad. You know, even all around the personal decisions you need to make about how many kids to have, how many arrows in the, in the quiver, so to speak, or when to have kids. I think that this psalm is teaching us that if God gives you the option of having children, you need to have children. You know, some of you might get married in the future. I pray that's the case. Then keep this idea tucked in the back pocket. I'm sure that uh, the grandparents in this room are thankful that their children have had children. I'm sure that's the case. You know, having kids is a Christian thing. It's had a Christian thing. And it's definitely countercultural and probably controversial. As a church, we're to value the children in our church. They're a key part of us. They belong to the church. So thank God for uh, the way we've sort of, in we have included children in our church. Praise God for the, the gospel training kids leaders that we've got who teach the kids every week. Praise God that we have a culture in our church that doesn't mind a little bit of noise, crying babies. Um, and praise God that there are kids here. But you can also look at this psalm from, the, from a wider biblical theological perspective without losing that application to our family life. The language of children here and sons in particular, which the word children is translated as children, sons, and sonship uh, is a big theme in the Bible. And it really just focuses in on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God the only begotten Son of the Father, for God gave His one and only Son. And because of Him, because of Jesus being sent into the world to save us, we get to be adopted into God's family, into the household of faith. And we are a family with Christ, not only as our Saviour, but as an older brother. And that includes us here as a church family here. And if we're to be Christians, if we're to be saved, then we need to trust in the Son. And if you haven't done that today, please do so. The Son who was born of a woman, the promised seed of Abraham, the Son who is the true and better Adam. And if you trust in the Son, the promised one of God, then you are blessed. In the words of the Psalm, you're blessed. And in Him, you'll never be put to shame. So that's Psalm 127. 
and I think it's probably a good one for our two-year anniversary, two-second birthday. Uh, it's all about our dependence upon God. We need to be reminded of this. We need to recognise that we depend upon God for everything. And all these different aspects of life are ultimately vanity without God at the centre, Christ at the centre, at the forefront, as the one who builds. So let's trust and depend upon him, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labour in vain. Amen.